0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, So here we are, a week after Easter. We have just celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A time where we can gather together and say, Alleluia! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed, alleluia. Jesus Christ has defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil, and won for us the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. We know that on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus appeared to his disciples who were in a locked room, and he says, peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side, And those who were there believed Jesus was risen. Of course, it was not all the disciples, though. Thomas, for whatever reason, was not with the disciples when Jesus appeared. When Thomas does finally make it to that room, the disciples tell him they had seen Jesus. Thomas then responds with his famous words. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And this is what makes Thomas known as Doubting Thomas, because he would not take the disciples' words for it. How many of you have ever said, I'll believe it when I see it? It could have to do with anything. A friend you keep inviting a church that says they'll come, but never does, even when you keep asking over and over again. A family member says that they'll be on time to a special event, a birthday party, a graduation, a flight, when they're always late to everything. They were even late to their own wedding. And you suspect they'll be late to their own funeral one day. A child who tells you they will actually clean up their room, and when they... Always just shove everything under the bed or in the closet. Someone who promises you they'll quit smoking, yet you keep seeing empty cigarette packages and they smell like an ashtray. Pretty much any as-seen-on-TV product promising to do something miraculous for you. Get rid of your wrinkles. Get rid of your fat. Get rid of unwanted hair. Get rid of the scratches on your car. Fix your leaks and cracks around your house. Cook anything without sticking. At some point, you begin to get skeptical of people. You begin to doubt them, and you say, I'll believe it when I see it. Thomas takes this a step further because he says, I'll believe it when I see it and feel it, when I touch it with my bare hands. This is the response of Thomas to all his friends, his brothers, the other ten disciples who saw Jesus alive. So here we are, a week after Easter, a week after Jesus had risen from the dead, and already someone doubts. I guess we might even ask ourselves, are we really that surprised? How many times did Jesus tell them he was going to die and three days later rise from the dead and they still didn't get it? So after Jesus' death, they were in this room hiding out because Jesus had been crucified and they think they're next. So Jesus shows himself to them and they believe. Except Thomas is not there. And he can't just take the disciples' words for it. It's not good enough. So eight days later, the disciples are in this locked room still. Even after Jesus appeared, they're still hiding out. This time, Thomas is there. And Jesus again appears to them and says, Peace be with you. So now we've seen twice that locked doors can't stop Jesus. And that every time he comes, he comes to bring peace. And now Jesus turns directly to Thomas and says, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. He says, Thomas, you won't believe it until you see it and feel it. So look at me, touch me, stop doubting and believe. Now we weren't there. So we don't know exactly how this looked. If Thomas ran over to Jesus and hugged him? If Thomas actually stuck his finger in Jesus' side? Because all the text tells us is that Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. I like to think that in that moment, that, that Thomas sees Jesus, all his doubts disappear. He realizes it's really Jesus who is risen from the dead and he just falls down in amazement and worship of his Savior. His Lord, his God, never actually touching him. He goes from doubting Thomas to believing Thomas. Now you might think that this is the end of the disciples' story, that they go on to be these faithful believers and they never struggle again with doubts. But that's not exactly true. While they do go on to be great disciples who helped spread the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection to the world, which has reached all of us, right before Jesus gives the disciples the great commission, which we heard during our baptism this morning, right before he ascends into heaven, we read in Matthew 28, now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, But some doubted. Even after Jesus appeared to them multiple times, here he is right in front of them again. But some doubted. I like to think that Thomas is not one of those doubters, but we don't know because we aren't told who it was. While you might think this is quite odd and a little sad that there were still doubts in that group, I actually find this strangely comforting. And I'll tell you why. If we go back to that original time that Jesus appears to Thomas, at the end of the conversation, Jesus says to him, these beautiful words that apply to us, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. All those who believe in Jesus after his ascension and did not get the chance to see him, all those who have been gifted with the faith to believe in Jesus and his death and resurrection, you are blessed blessed, but not immune from ever doubting or giving in to sin and temptation. That's the disciples. That's all of us. All of us who are sitting here this morning, we're no different than them. There are believers. There are also doubters and those who are struggling with sin. The disciples were blessed blessed because they saw with their own eyes. They may have doubted them for a short time, and even later on. They also sinned. They gave into temptation. But we know from the Bible and what history tells us that these 11 disciples were faithful followers of Christ until they passed from this life to the next. You see, we may believe, but we still sin. And sin has ruined everything everything in our life. Sin is the reason death has entered into this world. Sin is the reason that we have sickness and disease. It's the reason that bad things happen in this life. It's the reason we don't have these perfect lives free from struggles and doubts and terrible things that happen. Sin is the reason we doubt, why we doubt all the truth of what God's word says. And so when people give in to temptation or when they doubt or when they don't believe, it's because sin has taken over their lives. Sin is completely opposed to God. God is perfect and holy, and sin is imperfect and unholy. God is pure. Sin is corrupt. God is life. Sin is death. They do not mix. And because we all have this sin inside us, we want nothing to do with God. We want nothing to do with a Savior, especially when we look at the world and how tragic it is. So we doubt and we don't believe. What causes doubt? Besides sin? Could be anything, it could be a tragedy like when 15 people on a bus carrying the Humboldt Broncos junior hockey team died when a semi-truck crashed into that bus. The death of a loved one, especially one who died too young, can certainly cause doubts. Where are you today? Are you a blessed believer? Are you a believer that's struggling with sin and temptation? Are you a doubter? Or do you not believe at all? Are you in that I'll believe it when I see it stage? Or are you in that I'll believe it when I see it and feel it? Have you seen or been hit with too many things that make you say everything that's happening in this world is not fair and it's not right? You are correct. It's not fair and it's not right. The unfortunate part is that sin does not play fair. Death, whether it's tragic or unexpected or accepted and expected, is a result of sin. Jesus Christ came for all the things that are not fair and not right because of sin. He came for death. God never meant for any of this to happen to us. He created the world perfect with no sin, no death. And ever since Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, this world has been filled with tragedy and all kinds of unfairness. Jesus came to die for your sins and mine, for our death. He took hell for us, the hell that we deserve for our sins. He took that punishment and unfairness and all that tragedy, and it was nailed to the cross. Jesus died, but because he was the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he rose from the dead, and with that gives us the promise that we too will rise again, that this life does not end in death. For believers, this earthly life ends in eternal life, heaven, and anyone who has received this forgiveness is blessed, as Psalm 32 says. You are forgiven. You are blessed. Maybe those words aren't good enough for you. So what do you need? What do we all need? Maybe we need Jesus to come to us in order for us to be able to be like Thomas and say, my Lord and my God. The good news is he has. And you don't have to take my word for it. It's not good enough. Plus, I won't always be here to bring you these words. You have to take God's word. His word will always be here. It will endure forever. Because God's word, the Bible, is a gift that he has given to his people. Words of life, words of peace, words of the death and resurrection of Jesus that brings forgiveness of sins for all people. That brings eternal life to all who believe. That's what you heard John say at the end of the gospel reading. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And God's word also says that Christ is with us to the very end of the age. He is present with us in his word and he is present with us in his sacraments. His body and blood are in the Lord's Supper that we receive for the strengthening of our faith, for all of our doubts, for the forgiveness of our sins, and for our salvation. And he is with us in baptism. Today, Scarlet has met her Savior. She met him in the waters of baptism this morning, where Christ has clothed her with his perfection, his holiness, his death, his resurrection, his forgiveness, his salvation. She is blessed. And Christ will be with her every step of her life. When tragedies strike, when doubts arise, when sin and temptation take over. But God is stronger than tragedies and doubts and sin and temptation. He has conquered them all through his death and resurrection. He has come to put an end to them all and to bring us peace. He himself said it. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Therefore we have hope. Hope in the resurrection from the dead. Hope that all the pain and suffering that we go through in this life will come to an end. Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the life to come. That's God's promise to all who believe. To little Scarlet, to you, and to me. We can be assured of this because, hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our risen Savior. Amen.